Hello everybody and welcome to the Midnight McBride show, show number 56. And this show is called Ecstatically Ginger. And that's because I've got a lovely lady in the studio and it's Ginger Jen. Hello Jen. Hello Mr McBride, how are you? I'm good thanks, I'm good. Now, we talked about your title in the show and what you do mm-hmm. and tell us what we came up with, what, what you call yourself, what you do. I'm a sensuality empowerment love coach. Okay. Now, I thought this show would be interesting. I first came across you on Instagram and I saw some of the posts you were doing in the pictures. You have some beautiful mm-hmm. pictures on there as well. <laughs> and we'd not really, I've done nearly 60 of these shows now and a hundred and odd radio shows, but I hadn't really got into sexuality. Mm. And I thought this would be a really interesting show in your journey. I'd read your show notes and it's fascinating. Thank you. Very interesting. So Jen, maybe start by Ginger Jen telling us <laughs> what what it is. Explain what you do roughly. We'll get into it properly, the meat and bones of it at the end of the show as we get towards the end, but just give everybody an idea of what it is you do. A brief explanation of what I do is helping people come into their power through the art of sensually exploring and also expressing themselves in different ways, taking them through like mother-father relationships, inner child and feminine-masculine relationships within themselves. Right. I don't fully understand all of that, (laughs) but I'm fascinated by it and... What we do on this show, I always say, your past doesn't define you. It's your view on your journey to this present moment. And this is why we always go through somebody's life journey. It's really interesting because we find out what makes them tick and why they do what they do. And once I'd been through your show notes, it all made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start at the very beginning, Jen. And where were you born? Well, I was born in High Wycombe, but I grew up in Halifax. Okay. And how was school? Yeah, it was it was a bit tough with school. I know in the notes you said you were you were bullied. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite a common theme. There's a lot of people who've been on this show. Sandy Holt, for example, who's a multiple European champion in Thai boxing. Yeah. He was bullied at school and that drove him on to become this super fit world record holding martial arts champion. Colin Unsworth, Mr. Mushroom, who's been on the show, <laughs> he was bullied at school and so he spent a lot of time in nature in the woods and he became an expert on mushrooms and ended up being on Gardener's World and so it's really fascinating you know this. So you were bullied at school but you say that your parents although a happy upbringing were quite strict with you. How Mm. do you mean in what way? Uh, Well I always felt that I was sort of the black sheep of the family. My brothers, my parents, they were really intellectual, they were able to read books really easily, they were able to do my mum's not so good at maths, but my dad was really good at maths and my brothers and, you know, they all had this very intellectual as in academic background, whereas I was a little bit dazed half the time or distracted and always had so much potential. That's what they always said to yeah. me, the teachers. I think this will become all become apparent and make sense as well, because we're not going to touch on it just yet, but you've found out you've got ADHD as well mm-hmm. yeah. which you didn't find out till quite recently you know in yeah. the last few years yeah you moved around from school to school mm-hmm. and ended up in a private school <laughs> how, how and why bullies I think every time on the first time was at primary school and I did touch upon this in my notes but it, it was the final straw with my bullies when one of them got their pants down on me in the middle of a class and sort of rubbed their body on yeah. mine when I was crying and said no in front of everyone. Yeah. So my mum moved me while I was doing my SATs in year six. And then after that, I went to a comprehensive school where I was sort of in groups of friends, which I don't think appreciated me that much. And then I was getting bullied from my old bullies who were also there Um well, one of them stopped bullying me when I shoved him into the wall and I told him what for and I said, never do that to me again. It's all to do with the hair colour and all that. So um, after that, and I wasn't really getting along with the bullies, I was put in a math set with one of 
the one who did the sexual assault to me at school. I was put in the same set as him with maths in like set five or something. And uh, yeah, so I I ended up just being like, I need to move, but I didn't get into proper grammar school. So I had to get sent to private school. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that might be a bonus. You know, I don't know. It depends. I don't know what the private school was like, but what I find with a lot of people when they're younger is some of the things that you see as being not necessarily a good thing when you're younger ends up being a, a fantastic thing when you're older. A guest dad on the show, Paris, when he was younger, didn't like his name. You know, he, he got called names for it and stuff. Mm. Now he loves his name. I only know one Paris. I think it's a great name. Mm. Yourself having ginger hair when you were younger, you know, when you're a child, you might get called and stuff. I think ginger hair is beautiful. Nice. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I do. And so for me, it's a, a fantastic attribute, you know, as you get older. When I was younger, I was called PJ, or I was called PJ, Patrick Joseph McBride. And at the time, you know, I was, it was a bit different, I was called, but as I grew older, I started to love that name, you know, mm. because I was different and it, I felt unique and special. So these things quite often as a child, you know, your ginger hair is probably a, a massive attribute and advantage now, whereas a child, you get picked on when you have ginger hair, don't you, or red hair. I told you have no soul. Mm. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a big thing, like soulless, rusty pubes, ginger, that got thrown, people threw stuff at me. It was pretty bad. Yeah. 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 Mm. So it's a lot better now. Well, as it says on my arm, out of the darkness comes great strength, and what doesn't yeah. kill you makes you stronger, and those things, mm. I always say if I could go back in my life, would I make different decisions? Of course. Mm. Yeah, I'd make different decisions, lots of them. But do I regret anything? No. no. Because that's made me the person mm. who I am now. Those lessons I've learned have brought me to this present moment, sat here with you right now. Yeah, you know. exactly. Because of what you went through, Jen, um, you know, we talked about it, that you actually self-harmed when you were mm. younger. Yeah, I went through a bit of a phase when I was a teenager of trying to figure out ways to hurt myself. Yeah. I think quite often people who do that, they're going through so much pain, the physical pain distracts from what's going on in the mind, doesn't it, in the head, you know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I see tattoos. I talk about tattoos a lot, and they're external emotional scars. Most people get a tattoo when something significant happens in their life. It's not usually random. Somebody mm. passes or you have an experience. And, you know, they're a bit painful. And some people become addicted to the tattoos, don't they? I've seen people mm. who are covered in them. And it can be uh, sort of a, a subtle pain that distracts. It's almost like a meditation. You go into the zone. I've My back's covered with tattoos. And it took, combined, I think it took about 14 hours to do my back. Mm. And that whole period, I went for two hours every week, week after week. And while I was doing it, I felt good. You know, wow. the pain sort of, I went away. I switched off from all my problems. Amazing. Yeah, it's quite common, unfortunately, for kids now. You know, it happens a lot. So as far as anybody else was concerned, you were happy on the outside, giggly, you know, overt, full of joy. But inside, again, very common. Some of the people that are the life and soul of the party, quite often, they're really sad inside. And it's an overt reaction. It's a display. It's a facade, isn't it? It is. And I was mainly like that. Uh, Sometimes I wasn't, though, you know, there were times where I could just cry and cry and cry and no one could stop me. Yeah. But then at the same time, I could laugh and laugh and laugh and no one would stop me. No, it was all just... You mean like (laughs) you just did before? (laughs) (laughs) The next part of your journey, Jen, you move on and you say that your parents obviously wanted you to carry on with schooling Mm -hmm. and you were having none of it. And... Mm. What I think is beautiful, which all makes sense, is you ended up wanting to work with her. Yeah. Because you've got beautiful hair. So tell us about that. Apparently I used to cut my own fringe when I was really younger. And uh, basically I just wasn't getting on with my academia. I was still struggling with school, even in the last school I went to. And um, I just felt like I wanted to do something creative, something with my hands, something that kept me busy, which... I think with ADHD, it's it's good to do something like that. And uh, thought hairdressing would be great. I love doing my hair. I used to have big scene kid hair, so I used to backcomb it and do makeup really boldly. And so I just wanted to do something with that instead. At the end of the show, you kindly gave us some pictures of your life journey. And at the end of the show, as we do with a lot of the shows, we're doing a show reel. 
And you'll be able to see what you talk about. Some of your pictures when you were younger with your makeup and your hair and you had a straight fringe and quite a dramatic look, but re- beautiful, but quite dramatic <laughs> as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, very dramatic. Yeah. So off you went to work for Vidal Sassoon. You got mm. the job. I did. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? You went to London. London was a big place. <laughs> yeah. How old were you at this point? 16. Right. That's and I lived on my own, yeah. Right, that's very young, isn't it? It was very young, and I can't believe my parents let me, but they were just like, if you go do hairdressing, it's got to be at the best place. So I was like manifesting the dream job in London at Vidal Sassoon and uh, got it. So I was like, right, I'm going. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could understand that your parents didn't want to tell you what to do, though. I wouldn't like to tell you what to do, Jen. You're quite, um, how should we say, feisty. Well, a strong woman. <laughs> Thank you for calling me a strong woman. I definitely feel like they would have got a lot more wrath from me if I would have had to stay and do some academic subjects. So how was Vidal Sassoon? I mean, you've got your dream job, was it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, to some extent, uh, I really liked the practical work and doing that, but um, I wound myself up a little bit with perfectionism. And so I'd end up spending so long on hair and getting so frustrated about it because I just wanted everything to be perfect. Uh, So I struggled with that. And uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to say too much about the company because it's the best company in the world to work. If you want to be a hairdresser, that's where you go. Yeah. Did you did you qualify? Were you training? What what were you doing? Fully qualified, three years. I did London and then I went up to Leeds and spent right. the rest of the time there. So how was life in the big smoke, London? You're 16 years old when you go down there. You've got this dream job and you're <laughs> living in this big city. And I've got to be honest, I, I the last time I went to London, I went doing the audio book for From Pills to Peace uh, in a studio down there. But I'm not a fan of London. I go when I have to, and it's nice to go for a weekend, but mm. I, I wouldn't like to live there. It's too much noise, too much going on for it's me. It's very busy. It was very busy for me. At first, I was like really excited, and then very quickly, it's just overwhelming. I was living off £2.60 an hour, you know, apprentice wage, and mm. I was walking everywhere, which I found pretty cool, but I got so lonely because yeah. within all the people, you're lonely. Yeah. How did you manage on so little money? Because I know that the rents in London are astronomical aren't they parents paid the rent um, so you had I a bit of help yeah. household stuff I paid for the, yeah. I literally I only got the amount that my house was so well the place I was staying was and uh, I was lucky to find the place where I was because I was in Angel so it's a really nice area yeah I know it yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh, got a really good deal <laughs> but uh, otherwise I was just buying things from the market I was vegetarian back then so just buying cheap things bread and portobello mushrooms make mushroom burgers and pasta you know living really really cheaply and i walked everywhere rather than taking a uh, tube once i realized how to get from a to b yeah i've got a good friend of mine who lives in angel he's got a a big penthouse apartment down there and we're going to stay with him it is yeah (laughs) Uh, i'm going to stay with him sometimes he's called Mm. uh, niraj patak or he's when he's acting, because he's done a lot of acting as well, a couple mm. of movies and stuff, it's called Jace to Say. So if you're watching Neeraj, uh, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Hi, Neeraj. So while you're in London, you then, I like the term monog, as in monogamous. <laughs> I think I was <laughs> but, quickly typing. Yeah, a monog. But you, you're in a relationship then, a steady relationship mm-hmm. with somebody. Yeah. And how was that? Amazing for the most part. Um, absolutely love him to this day because he's a really good friend of mine and he's, um, he had to put up with me while I was going through really dark times. And um, it was it was a fun relationship. We, we smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> that was <laughs> well, when I got into my weed habit. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he was, he was there throughout the whole of it so um it was nice to have something steady going on in my life yeah i think it's beautiful when you stay friends with people you know ex-partners when relationships mm. don't work out but i think as you get older and you're a bit mature you, you don't need to fall out you just grow apart and you can stay friends and it's lovely yeah, realizing you've had such a beautiful intimacy with someone like a past mm. what's the point in throwing that away through to just knowing that you've kind of gone different routes in your lives yeah and people grow apart and you can just remember the good times and exactly. be grateful for the time you shared can't you yeah. you know yeah. yeah yeah lots of silliness is really funny another part of your journey now which is 
you know, quite dark. You said you were going through dark times. Is it, at that point, you tried to take your own life when you were in London or mm. towards the end of your time in London? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was towards the end of the time. I can't remember exactly. I just remember, you know, going into the shop, just like, right, I'm doing it and buying loads of pills and just yeah. took them. You're, what, 18 and 19 at this point then, are 19. you? 19. Yeah, 19. Mm. Or 18, something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after this, you decided you're coming back home, yeah? I had to because my parents had to pick me up from the hospital and they were basically like, yeah, I think I don't want you to go back. And then I went home. Yeah. 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 And you're back in Leeds. And I like this bit because you worked in a, you had a lot of different jobs then. Like like 19 year olds do, you do some, you know, temporary work, part-time mm. work, this kind of thing, whatever. And you worked in a place that was a, a hummus place. Yeah. And yeah. what was it called? Hump it. <laughs> I've got quite a few around now. <laughs> but again, you couldn't write it because how appropriate. <laughs> it's very appropriate. <laughs> it is when you find out the rest of your story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I did, I did a couple of shows with Liam Brown on here mm. and his band was called Liam Brown Love and the first movie he did, which was, he won awards for, again, I think Love's in the title there and some of his songs Love's in the title and Love just keeps pop popping up everywhere in his life <laughs> and that's his thing. And so Hummus Humpit is, uh, <laughs> is relevant maybe, yeah. <laughs> Your mum suffered from mental health issues, is that right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Is, is she still with us, your mum? She's yeah, us, thankfully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With your mum, was it was it depression? Or? Yeah, she got PTSD actually after getting a, a knee injury, and she used to be a fell runner, so um, right. she wasn't able to then run anymore, and that was just like the end for her. I can imagine. Life. Yeah, really I, took I do ultramarathons, so I do I do running races, fifty mile, hundred mile. Wow, amazing! And I can imagine if somebody said I couldn't run again, mm. I'd be devastated. You know, it's it's my passion. I love it. Yeah. Just hit the hills and disappear for a few hours and leave all your cares and worries behind That's and you're in nature. Yeah. yeah. You're only young, aren't you, Jen? How old are you? 25. Which, so your mum and dad are probably, what, 50s? Yeah, 60 and late 50s. How long ago was your mum told she couldn't run? Is it a while ago? It was. Years ago? Yeah. If, well, it all started about six, seven, year, seven years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They say, you know, with runners, ultra runners, because I've done some of the events I've done, you talk to the people when they're doing them. And mm. they reckon, I think the figures 80 or 85% of all ultra runners have either had problems with addiction or mental health problems because they're extreme people. And it's just a healthy addiction, the ultra mm. running or fell running. Okay. So then, Jen, you become vegan. Yeah. I've, I've been vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I've been full vegan for about a year. I'm now what they call, I like this term, from my friend microbiologist, ex-microbiologist, uh, Becky Jones. It's a flexitarian, which means I do what the bloody hell I like. I don't agree in that. <laughs> well, and I <laughs> eat fish. I eat fish all the time. Okay. And I do eat meat. It's very, very rare. It may be once a month, it may be once every couple of months, but I do eat meat occasionally. It doesn't sit well with me. I'm not comfortable with it for some Why reasons. Why do you do it? Because when I was ultra running, if I was running, up until probably about six weeks ago, I was running three or four marathons a week. Mm -hmm. I was doing 25 miles three times a week. And in theory, you can get all your protein from pulses and beans and so on. Mm -hmm. I would burn, could be if I'm doing 50 miles, I'd burn 10, 12,000 calories. I physically, it is fe feasible and it's possible very possible. It is possible, but the quantity of food you have to consume and the time it takes to prepare it to get that amount of calories in on a regular basis is difficult. It's, I'm not saying it's that impossible. Is that why you have the coconut oil in your coffee? No, I just love that. Coconut <laughs> oil is the only highest, it's highest fat concentration. So if you want your calories, coconuts are your friend. Yeah, well. Avocados. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I eat avocados. Mm. If I'm eating fish, I like salmon as well because that's got like... Totally of... understand. But one of the best ultra marathon runners in the world is completely vegan and has been for many, many years. Yes, so but it's that guy... very possible. It's very possible. That guy's a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he has... His time is all ultra running. Mm. Yeah. I don't have that time. I have to work. I have lots of other things mm. I have to do as well. Yeah. So... If all I had to do was ultra run, it would be easy. Yeah, mm. but I don't. Ultra running is a hobby that I fit in. And 
a nutritionist that can help you. And if you want any help finding anyone, mm. then I can put you in contact with someone. So we're not going too off topic right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a vegan and you were a vegan activist. And yeah. But I respect everybody's choice to do what they want. And okay. I do not agree with eating meat and I don't agree with animals and killing them en masse and slaughtering them and how they're treated or any of those things. However, I do eat meat occasionally. Mm-hmm. May not, maybe not the best choice I'm making, but it's still my right to choose, you know. The animals don't get a choice. That's that's all you've got to remember. I do. That's I've why it doesn't quick, sit. That doesn't. That's why it doesn't sit well with me right now because it's not an animal rights activist thing. But um, yeah, the the animals don't get a choice in the matter, and you do. So yeah, but everybody has that choice. Even if it's a bad choice, people mm-hmm. are allowed to make bad choices. You can't decide everything for them. Lots of people make bad choices. If you're conscious and aware of what choices that you're going to make, then you can definitely make the right choices okay if we were to i'm sure jen not every decision you make is a good one as well people make mistakes people make choices and i'm quite just often... happy i don't eat animals or use them for any kind of yeah thing that people want to use them for yeah so we'll move on anyway mm. but yes so i eat meat very occasionally but i do eat it from time to time we can we can definitely talk about it on another Okay. On another day, and I can show you some things to ingrain your light in what you can see in why it's wrong to eat animals, not just for them, but for the environment, for the humans that do the killing of the animals. It's bad for everyone on every kind of level. The next bit, Jen, in your show mm-hmm. notes, you talk about the fact that you dated somebody who was in a travelling circus. I didn't really date him. It was very brief interaction. <laughs> oh, okay. But you met somebody from a circus. Uh, yeah, yeah, the first person I met in the circus. And then you said, but you ended up in your own mm. travelling caravan, so explain that. I, well, he basically came over to my house one time and then was saying that he was going to Portugal in a few days, and I was like, I'm so jealous of your life, wish I could do that. And he was like, well, why don't you? I was like, oh, I need to get a job and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, just book a flight and once you've done it, then you're there and you can just do whatever so that night I decided to book a flight to Portugal yeah and go to the same festival that he was at and uh, it was, it's called Frequency it's the first festival in Portugal of the year and it's full of very cool people <laughs> lots of circusy sort of people and spiritual minded folk and I ended up at the end of that getting in someone's van because he'd already gone on his journey to go busking around Europe and I stayed back and just made a load of friends while I was there and before everyone was leaving I went round all the vans like where's everyone going so I just jumped in one going to Bordeaux and off you went and off I went and yeah turned out to be a van full of raging (laughs) circus hippies it sounds amazing because you that's a true adventure isn't it yeah, it was amazing. You also worked as an entertainer in a resort in Egypt. Yeah. Which yeah. part of Egypt? It's called Haggadah. Ah, yes, I know it, Bin. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my yeah. cup of tea no. at all. <laughs> I thought Sham was beautiful, and I've been there about mm. six times. Haggadah, I've been twice, and uh, it wasn't the same. I think Sham was uh, out of business at this time because of the bombings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a shame because they stopped the flights for a long time to Sham, and so we ended up. We went to Agada. It was a change of scenery, and it was just not the same. No, no. But the weather's <laughs> amazing. Place. It's yeah. beautiful, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it was so nice. Forty degrees every day. Beautiful. Mm. Loved it. <laughs> and it's dry heat as well, so it's not. Yeah, it doesn't feel sweaty like it does in this country when it gets warm. So then you you finished working in Egypt and you went mm. to Palestine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I Well, I went to Israel, to be honest, and right. then ended up getting to Palestine on my journey because I wanted to do a bit of a, a tour around. I hitchhiked, but I also got on buses. It's definitely, you can't really hitchhike to Palestine. That's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And uh, saw mainly Israel and spent a couple of days in Palestine and couch surfed there. Yeah, I'd, I've not been to Israel. I'd love to go. It's a you know. really amazing place. 
I'd love to go to Bethlehem and go and see the Wailing Wall and the, um, mm. the Temple on the Mount and all of these things. You know, I've, I've not been yet, but maybe someday. It's breathtaking. Yeah. 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 When we talked about this, you said that this was maybe a turning point for you and the start of mm. your spiritual awakening and stuff. Tell us about that, Jen. Yeah, well, I went, I didn't get a SIM card. So everywhere that I went, I had to work out my own way. I had to get lost a few times before finding my way around. And everyone that I was connecting with, not everyone, there was a few hardships, but that's how you get into your awakening, I guess. You know, there's some questionable, a few questionable people. But for the most part, I was just bumping into people who would let me into their families, into their Shabbat and taking me around in the car to like the desert to see shooting stars and just like really looking after me, feeding yeah. me, letting me stay. I'd literally be at a cafe not knowing where I'm staying for the evening. Someone would speak to me and then I have somewhere to stay for the night. And I think meeting so many open-minded people, like people think Israel's just this like really strict place. It's full of amazing spiritual yep. hippie folk that just want to help and allow people into their lives. And it just, you know, it loosened me up. I was wearing makeup when I first went and a lot of the people there don't wear makeup. So I just sort of, I mean, I'm wearing it today, but usually I don't. And it just, it made me more comfortable in my own skin and really helped me just find my way. Yeah. 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 I, like I say, I haven't been, but I, I know people that are friends with people in Israel and there's a lot of beautiful people there. When you when you're in a place where wars likely to break break out at any time or something's going to happen any time then you've got more you're more thankful for the smaller things in life. Someone actually said to me recently that the they've got a scare of a bomb hitting them at any point. Whereas the only things that we need to worry about in the Western world really is if it's going to rain or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. If you're living in a a war zone or a country that's in conflict, you know, where you, where you go sleep at night and you don't know whether you're going to get blown up, mm. you know, then it's a very different, different energy, different atmosphere there, isn't it? So then you're off again, Jen, this time to Australia. Mm-hmm. And... This is a very interesting part of your journey, which we'll talk about. Very relevant as well to what you do now, yeah. you know, I think. <laughs> and you wanted to earn some money. And so what did you do? Started escorting. Okay. <laughs> Found an ad on uh, Craigslist when that was going to work for someone. Okay. And <laughs> embellish, tell us more. I mean, you said you worked for a, a method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't notice until quite a few weeks in, but um, he was all right, to be honest. He wasn't a bad person. He didn't have too much bad blood. Um, it was just, it was a really interesting time and I was just wanting to get money fast and he he managed it all quite well, although, yeah, he ended up trying to get me to do, you know, natural sex a lot. And then I was obviously against that. And What's natural sex? Without a condom. Okay, bareback, it, I think is the term. Yeah, yeah. or bareback. Mm. Yeah, he wanted me to do bareback. And yeah. I was opposed to this. And um, he got a bit funny about it. And it's because I'm very opinionated, I probably had an opinion to say and just stormed out. Yeah. And, decided to try and work for myself or try find someone else to work for right that's a I mean it's a big step isn't it it's a whole nother world when you're going mm. from you know working in a a hummus place <laughs> then you're traveling around and then you're escorting and yeah. I mean mm. was it a bad time was it a good time yeah it's a good time mm. <laughs> I found it hilarious I just remember one day I was like you know to my housemate who I got on with at the time, I was just, you know, I came home. I was just like, to be honest, I think I'm going to become an escort. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to get some money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know that um, in Australia, I was in Sydney for a while, and there's quite a prominent sex industry there, isn't there? 
Yeah. You know, and there's a red light Huge. area. Oh, yeah. I've not even yeah. been into that area. Yeah, yeah. Where were you in Australia? You're not in Sydney or? I wasn't in Sydney for the majority of the time, although I did go for a couple of weeks to work once. I was mainly in Melbourne and Brisbane, but sort of toured around doing different, seeing people from different cities and staying in different Airbnbs. That's what you do when you're doing an escorting, yeah. touring business. You just get an Airbnb and work from it. Right. I'll never look at Airbnb the same again now. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how fancy the place is. If you want your penthouse, Escort's probably been there. Right. <laughs> and, but this is interesting. I think this is the start of what you're doing now, all starting to sort of form, where you start getting feedback from people mm. saying how you'd help them. Yeah, and that was the most beautiful time when you, yeah, you start getting people just, saying to you like wow you're different from all the people that I've seen through this before you're actually helping me seeing men like tear from their eyes when they're with you and saying that you're beautiful and that what you're giving is so magical for them and then people getting in contact with you afterwards on email and even when I wasn't in the country I'd get people saying I've done this, this, this and that since meeting you and you've changed my life. I've had people being like, I'm vegan now. <laughs> and I've had people being like, um, um, I've, I now look at my sexuality different. I don't feel pressure on myself and um, I am happy with going slowly because, you know, some a lot of the guys that I seemed to attract were very nervous within themselves Mm-hmm. And so I just get a lot of men coming out, just being more positive, able to, so for example, people who didn't even know how to speak to the cashier if they were a woman, being able to speak to the cashier now with full yeah. confidence. Yeah, and you gave them that. Yeah, yeah. get emails saying that. <laughs> you'd also said that you'd had both men but and couples as well mm. say that you'd help them. So um, does that mean when you were escorting, you were with couples as well? Threesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's where I'm going with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah. those really, those were all really cool and they were all pretty good looking, fit couples too. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I mean, I think it's Beautiful. it can be, it depends where you are. If you're a single person, I think you just do what you like, can't you? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm in a relationship and... It, it's different, you know. Mm. But I mean, some people have open relationships as well. I mean, it's just whatever works for you, isn't it? And yeah, it's different for everybody, you mm. know. I think it's just, just be you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, with the people that I saw, the story seemed to be the same every time. I've been together seven years. We've not been with anyone else. We wanted to not have anyone else who's going to get attached to us, but pay just to see where it is women who haven't explored their bisexuality and the uh, husbands or their boyfriends being like, right, let's just find someone and mm. explore your sexuality that way. So each each couples that have come to me, I've had them thanking me so much after saying you've done so much for our confidence again and you've made us want to explore even more into our sex lives and you've given us more of a connection and even one of them contacted me last year now saying we got married this year and they're actually from Harrogate originally but live in Australia we got married this year and we wish that you were there at the wedding that sort of thing and it's like oh that's so nice so if they're watching they might be because they got me on Instagram yeah (laughs) hi (laughs) I think it's beautiful to have that level of honesty where you can be, a couple can be together and one can say, well, actually, I'm not sure how I feel about my sexuality and I've not explored mm. this. And and they can actually, you know, have that honest chat because a lot of people don't, they suppress things and then, and explore it together. I find that so incredibly beautiful. Mm. That level of honesty in a relationship is, is very special. Very. Know? Yeah, because I'd say ninety percent of relationships, ninety five percent of relationships, not everybody wants to do that. But if they do, they won't talk about it. Mm. You know, a lot of people won't talk about it. So when they do, that's you really are connected on another level. When you said, "This is how I feel," 
It's incredible. Yeah. And mm. people can learn from couples who are able to have that amount of honesty. Mm. And while you're doing the sessions as well, I, I make sure I check in with both of them. And I even have a little pep talk beforehand saying, if there's anything you don't like me doing, if there's anything you don't want me to do, tell me now. If there's anything you do want to try out, let me know. And if anyone's feeling left out at any point, just keep me posted. And I always check in with them. That makes me smile if anybody's feeling left out. <laughs> like, it happens. <laughs> no, no, I can, I can. <laughs> I can imagine. Mm. But yeah, where somebody's like, hang on a minute, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the thing with threesomes and it can be quite hard for people to navigate because there's a lot of crossing. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. People and watching. And I suppose yeah. some people would just want to watch. <laughs> yeah. But others. Some of the guys are like that. <laughs> would be want to be involved and, be, and feel left mm. out. So it's it's... No two couples are going to be the same, are they? Everybody's different. And, yeah. yeah. Really got to weave in and out of each other and make sure everyone feels as special as the other person. Yeah. Well, you must have that skill. Um, <laughs> Skilled. <at> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> this is the point where you realise then that maybe you were gifted in this area, you know. I, I mean, with... Sharing people, <laughs> helping people, people learning from you, you know, exploring different avenues. That's a nice way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. And you realise that maybe coaching or helping people with the emotions, expression or sexuality or this kind of thing is something that you, you were good at. It's about reading people and you must have a gift for that. And it's also about then having these skills to relate to people and mm -hmm. making them feel comfortable and safe. And you must have skills for that too, you know. So there's a lot of probably psychological, interpersonal skills that you've developed or maybe had anyway that you didn't maybe fully know you had at the time that you discovered through this process. Yeah, definitely. It helps to get the feedback from people and also after a while doing escorting, your energy does feel a little drained. And there's also the fact that you can't really openly talk about it. The fact that your family doesn't know, people asking you what you're up to, you're not allowed to say to anyone. And then you're drained as well from the sexual energies that are being passed. Because while some were very healing, there's some people that do want to just come in and like leave all their gunk with you and then leave, you know, that's... Yeah the life force energy is then with you and I was feeling like I didn't want to fuel an addiction but instead help turn you know not turn them around like just help navigate ways where they can feel happy with their sexuality without the need of ejaculation and things like that I think that's really important yes <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about this period of your life and then this is around the time did you come back to England first or did you discover you had ADHD over there I discovered it while I was in Australia because my best friend Kelly she has it and she's like you know you think just like me and have you ever looked into ADHD I'm like no I don't think so and uh, ended up getting because they have Medicare over there a free you know yeah. doctor's appointment and then put me to psychologists in this country it's really hard to find out whether you've got a mental health problem yeah they don't want to tell you they'll just give you antidepressants which really don't work most of them don't work with people with adhd mind so it's very important that you get the the right you know say you've got adhd rather than you've got yeah. depression I, I think it's really important as well to explore all the other avenues before you end up on pills you know medication Definitely. that's a last resort for me yeah, yeah, it's it's really important to see what you can do without that. Although I was given Ritalin when it first happened, yeah. I quickly decided not to carry on with it because I didn't want to get, I thought I'd been doing it this long without. And although it, it might help in a lot of ways and just trying to navigate it without that, but I don't ever say no to people who want to take that if that helps them personally. I always think that, a holistic approach should be tried first, looking at your diet, the people you spend your time with, mm -hmm. your environment, exercise, 
um, meditation, being peaceful. Look at all of these things first, bringing your stress levels down. Try everything first and then different therapies, you know, and there's many, many therapies I've tried before you say, okay, I'm going to take tablets. A lot of us have, but a lot of people who have ADHD and autism, they have to do all this while, you know, taking that medication because yeah. there is a different wiring in the brain and you can't change it. So it's not yeah. as easy as... No, a lot of people folk. may take medication, but then try other things to yeah. eventually come off the medication. Maybe. Yeah, but I just... But it worked with my antidepressants back then when I took them, mm. but I'm... I'm not sure. I don't want to go down that route anyway myself, but if people do then and it helps them, then that's really good as long as it's helping them yeah. function. <laughs> I didn't ask you when we talked about being an Australian, being an escort. Do your parents know now? You've discussed it with them? Vaguely. Because you do know they're going to know when they see the show. I'm not going to tell them about the show, but if they uh, see it, then they see it. Yeah. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> um I did send them a letter through the post when I was in Australia to try and explain. Dear mum and dad, I'm an escort. <laughs> I, I explained like that. that I was in the yeah. adult industry yeah. and uh, I didn't really get a response about it. They kind of panically rang my brother up and were like, please yeah. say it's not this, my dad. And he was like, no, no, it's not that. And then I tried to ring my mum earlier this year because I was like, I thought my sleep, I was deprived of sleep for the last few years and I thought, oh, I need to release something. I'm going to ring my mum and tell her. So I rang her and I'm like, you know what I'm doing and you know what I have done? She's like, yeah. So it's still a bit vague, but I felt a lot. And I was like, you know, with sexuality, blah, 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 um, said something about sexuality and and helping men with sex, I have said that. I, I think maybe they know anyway, but maybe they just don't want to talk about That's it. That's what a lot of people say. And then my mum then started talking about how my grandma, who's got dementia, keeps on explaining how some man is coming to her in her dreams that she's scared of. So she thinks my, my grandma's been sexually assaulted or something and how it carries on through wombs. So my mum was telling me about all that sort of thing. So I think it's just very vague and it's in the air. <laughs> yeah, I have, I won't name who they are, but there's somebody I know very well and their daughter uh, was a lesbian and they would never, they knew, but they used to call her friend, her special friend. And I tried to tell them, I said, you do know the kiss, don't you? And the, the together and she'd go, no, 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 And just wouldn't, and she knew, but she wouldn't never talk about it. And, you know, and she's not was much older. She's passed now. But, yeah, it's different for everybody. I think the fact is, if they love you, then it shouldn't matter, should it? That's what I thought. That's why I'm like, if they see any of this thing, like one day it's going to be completely obvious, then c'est Yeah. If they don't want to be my, me to be the daughter anymore, then that's not very good, is it? Yeah. No, I think it's all fine. Yeah, syllabi, the French language, beautiful. Mm. When you came back to England, it was predominantly, you said, your grandparents were getting on a bit, and you came mm. back to spend some time with them. Change your scenery, start a new life, maybe? Start again? Start, sort of just settle for a little while, because I'd been doing the Airbnb thing for so long, and then between that and having my breaks with work, I was staying at friends, so I never really had a place where I could just call mine and yeah, have my own, own space, space with yeah. more than just a suitcase of living things which I've been doing for years with with ADHD I have obsessive compulsive disorder you mm. need your own space it's quite important yeah. to have that area where you just have a, a bit of just a, it doesn't have to be a huge space but somewhere that's your space where you can relax mm, you definitely know. I never really realized how important that was until I'd worked myself into a, a rut and needed to fill my cup, as they say. So that was the point of coming back to England, spend time with my grandparents, fill my cup back up. I went back to Israel for a little, you know, month trip last yeah. year. Not last year now, it's... The year before. The year before, but at the end yeah. of the year before. And uh, apart from that, I've been pretty much, well, settled in Sheffield and then settled in Manchester. How long have you been back in Manchester or in Manchester? Three months, four months. Right, so it's all new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Manchester's a, a great city. There's Unfortunately, you can't do a great deal at the minute, but when it's in full flow, it's full of restaurants it and is. bars and clubs mm. and there's a great social scene and 
uh, if you're shopping your things, lots of shops as well. You know, I, I don't shop so much, but <laughs> but the restaurants and the bars, you know, They're I, I love. Yeah, yeah, I love Manchester. It's always been one of my favourite cities in England. There's a Greek restaurant in Manchester just off Deansgate called Dimitri's, and it does Greek food, and it's beautiful. Mm. Lots of hummus and olives and things like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's my perfect yeah. number one diet: hummus and olives. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> so tell us about the course you did. This course is a really amazing course that um, a lady called Layla Martin set up. It actually lasts. Uh, she does the live classes and workshops over the course of a year. And it does actually carry on for another year after that to put in all your work afterwards. What's it called, Jen, the course you're doing? So it's owned by the Tantric Institute of Sacred Sexuality and it's a long course name, so I'm just, it's SLRC um, course for people who want to be a love, sex and relationship coach. Okay. So for example, if I could ask you a few questions, if you were being a love, sex and relationship coach for somebody, Mm -hmm. somebody comes to you and they say, I've got an issue maybe with you know, I'm nervous around women or it could be I've got an issue and it's something that happens in the bedroom that I'm not comfortable with or this kind of... Am I on the right lines? They come yeah. to you and talk to you about it? We, we definitely cover absolutely everything in the process. We cover tantric ways of connecting. We actually go through the whole process of two or three months of healing ourselves sexually and through the things that she gave us to do, you learn how to heal yourself sexually to heal everyone else and then they take you through different uh, routines of how you can get people to start lifting different areas of the life. So if they're not feeling sexual arousal, for example, or if they have something past some past triggers like with the parents or something like that that are coming up which are affecting their love lives you know we cover over all of these areas and at the end of it I don't want to say that I'm gonna see everyone in the world for all these different problems I'm trying to niche it down so that I can uh, just help people on a particular subject and uh, I am narrowing mine down now to like a conscious sort of relating and self-love empowerment rather than um I know that some of my friends are doing like yoni egg healing if you've heard of that that's really interesting no. so it's like a you can get like a crystal egg and you can put it in your yoni which I don't know can call it vagina yoni whatever you want to call it okay and uh, you can do all sorts of work in that to help heal pains or losses or traumas that you got going on so you learn how to do that as well um but i feel like mine's more with empowerment yeah yeah the only thing i can remember relating to that is there used to be a sex toy called a Chinese love eggs or something of this order. Yeah. And they're like, vibe. <laughs> I like the way you say that then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Never yeah. Never used it before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Revolution of uh, women's sexuality, getting toys involved because so many years, basically, I'm going to just say this now because we, we learn a lot about this with um, our course and the patriarchy is has got in the way for women's sexuality of women's and men's but mainly women's sexuality throughout the years we've not been able to have fun in the bedroom because we've not known how to have fun we've also been taught that we should do everything for our men and serve for our men so the use of sex toys and everything absolutely great revolution but now it's kind of coming back to basics and being like we can we can heal this without the need of a big vibrational toy. We can heal the inside of you so you can reach from t- bottom to top full body orgasm and bring yourself into your true glorious presence to your true shining power. And a lot of it is we do train a lot with how to help women, but we do touch on helping men as well. And there are ways to help men as well. So explain a term to me that was in your notes, Jen. Neurodiverse. What's neurodiverse? 
these are the people that maybe you could help mm -hmm. and, and explain that to us. So as you were talking about earlier with my ADHD, you said that you're OCD. So that comes under the terminology of neurodiverse and autism. Um, and a lot of people are also, you know, not told that they have any of these, but they've got a really busy mind. So I, I also yeah. say busy minded, but neurodiverse is a terminology for like um, people on the spectrum, as they call it in this beautiful medical ways of knowledge but I like the terminology of neurodiversity rather than ADHD autism blah 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 it's, it's just the way that our brains work it's just a little bit different <laughs> yeah makes us special yeah and this is these people in particular these are people that you could help definitely yes um because Be, being I, one of them yeah, yeah exactly so basically with ADHD from what I've experienced and autism have uh, people on the spectrum have all sorts of different things that they with with sexuality and with their own bodies and being able to feel in their body because we're so much in our heads I can help neurodiverse people get from the heads and reach back into the bodies really really slowly and not forcing anything through and also just being really calm with it and giving them like giving them a a, a life and the patience to be able to do it because I think some courses and some some coaches don't really know how to speak to other neurodiverse folk because we need a little bit more attention so I'll be really concentrated on that person and if the session needs to take a little bit longer because it's taken a lot longer to explain what the practices are what we're doing then yeah. that's that's fine I'm here to take the patience with that person and go on that journey with them. Wonderful. Like a long way around it, which is typical ADHD thing to do. <laughs> if we'll talk about now, Jen, is your main platform, if somebody wants to see what you do now, is Instagram, isn't it? IGTV? Yeah, I do an IGTV as well, which is just breaking a load of taboo subjects at the moment and bringing all sorts of friends that I've got on to talk about their experiences, what they know, their knowledge, what they've learned, what can help other people, serve other people. So the IGTV is Instagram television. Yeah. And that's like, mm. I've seen one of your interviews you did with that. That's like a, a podcast kind of thing as well. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it's definitely a lot less uh, professional than yours. <laughs> it's just like a little chat with a friend. and The content's great. Thank you. I really yeah, appreciate I, it. I've only watched one, um, the majority of one of the shows, because they're a long show. It's an in-depth interview. I understand people have got so much to do. I don't yeah. know how anyone gets time to keep on watching these But things. for me to actually watch anything for any period of time, I find it interesting or I don't watch it. I haven't got a lot of time. You know, I, I seem to... I'm very busy. And yeah, it captured my interest. You know, oh, I watched great. it. Yeah, it was Thank great. You. I really appreciate that. I think that was the one with my sex worker friend. That's right. Well. Yeah, that's a really interesting subject. And tomorrow I've got one too. And she's also an artist as well, isn't she? Yeah, she photographer. Is an artist. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely beautiful human being, polyamorous, escort told her parents she does it legally so she's signed all the government documents and i didn't know that was is sex that a thing? toys off, <laughs> off the government you know is that a real thing <laughs> it yeah. is yeah oh. you can you can put it into your uh if you're paying tax then you can put sex toys into your tax i suppose <laughs> if you're doing it and you're helping people then you uh, you could be classed as a sex therapist so there is a petition that you can sign uh, to stop them from changing the legalities of sex workers and it would keep the sex workers are just not safe if they criminalise it. So they want exactly. to criminalise sex workers. In Bolton here, there used to be a place called Shifnall Street and that's where all the prostitutes did business and that's where, you know, it's well known. There was a lot of people went missing. There was a lot of bad things happened there. And it was dangerous, you know. Mm, and yeah. if these people are going to do this anyway, you know, and that's okay, then don't brush it under the carpet. Let's let's make it legal. Let's make it safe. It's like with drugs 
alcohol and I probably shouldn't put sex workers in the same category, but things that are illegal. Um, it's much better to talk about it and deal with it, address it head on mm. and deal with it in that manner rather than pretend it's not there, make something illegal and put it, exactly. brush it under the carpet. Exactly. I, reg I regularly talk about people that take drugs and they're not criminals, you know, they might be having fun, they may need help, they may be making bad decisions, whatever, but still you're right to make that choice and somebody that takes drugs isn't harming somebody else, so they're not a criminal mm. in my mind at all. You yeah, know. yeah, exactly. I think I mean, it's no way criminal offence to do the oldest job known to man. Mm. That helps people. I think certainly, you know, have it, legalise it. Like if, if it's going to happen, then make it safe. You know, oh, that yeah. is number and one priority. Make it safe for, for everybody, you know. If they criminalise it and then it's off the internet, then people are on the streets and that's where it gets really, really dangerous, exactly. like you were saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Jen, how do they go about doing that? I would love people to first follow me on my Instagram, which is ecstatically.ginger. Yes. And then you can also email me at um, ecstatically.ginger at gmail.com. So it's quite easy to remember. It's both the same names. And then I can send you an email back and we can we can chat about what it is that you might want to discuss with me and hopefully do some one-to-one -one coaching sessions and yeah. transform your life. I've seen your Instagram account and there's some beautiful photography on there. Lots of pictures of yourself. It's quite sensual. It's erotic. Mm. It's, it's beautiful. It's really Thank nice. You. It's really nice. And I love this statement. I'm going to read this out. This is in your notes. And the final statement in your notes about what you're going to achieve or what you aim to achieve. And it's helping people to find love in a conscious way. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so it's, it doesn't mean just someone else, but it's within you. Before you can find love for anyone else, you've got to find that love within yourself. And it's so important to go on that journey before being, you know, sometimes you get those feelings of urges of being desperate to find your lover. But if you're desperate to find your lover, you've got some inner work to do. You've got to yeah. do your own work. And connecting in a conscious way, not necessarily just having sex, but having that connection with another human being. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. I mean, with tantric philosophies and everything like that, it's all about being within your body and conscious give and take and mixing everything in such a fluid, beautiful way and being, you know, able to communicate and being able to set boundaries, being able to touch people without it having to mean something sexual and not having any expectations from that other person, just letting it flow or, you know, that other person or yourself, even having expectations to yourself. Yeah. Ginger Jen, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating. It's been interesting. It's been unexpected. And yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me You're <laughs> on <welcome>. the show. <laughs> You're okay, everybody. Thanks very much for watching. This has been the Midnight McBride Show, show number 56, Ecstatically Ginger with Ginger Jen. And I'm going to leave you with a quote from the book, From Pills to Peace. Once understood, freedom is an unstoppable force because it is born of the mind. To be truly free is how you think and not determined by external events. And once you free your mind... Your life is exciting, full of bliss and joy and a wonderful adventure. You can catch this show every Monday and every Thursday, twice a week on YouTube. It then three days later goes out as an audio podcast on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Deezer, Pandora and loads of others, about 12 platforms. You can go to the website, midnightbutbride.com. You can get the book on Amazon and you can also get it in Kindle format and you can get it in lots of other places and you can also get the audio book on iTunes, Audible, ACX and others. You can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. It's the radio show every Monday night on Salford City Radio 94.4 FM. That's the Mind, Body and Spirit show with me, your host, Midnight McBride. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I'll see you very soon. Shalom.